and welcome to my official podcast episode introduction of Your Ageless Musical Brain. My name is Lucelena Blanco, also known as Lucy. Before I tell you about myself and what inspired me to create this show, I'll tell you first what my show will be about. My show encourages heightened awareness to learn how dance, music, and the arts contribute and have the power to influence brain health and boost your quality of life long term. I'll have subject matter expert guests in neuroscience, dance, music, behavioral sciences, and related disciplines highlight valuable insights intended to help you explore your brain's potential to change over time through the use of dance, music, the arts, and related disciplines. I was born in the salsa dance-loving city of Cali, Colombia. My country has a multiracial ancestry in its DNA with a history of European, indigenous, and African mix. Well known for its resilient, faithful, and spiritual people, among its infamous history and in spite of it, of all the turmoil, people still tend to rise above the current problem and look at the brighter side of life and live in the moment. We love to socialize, sing, dance, gather friends, family, and neighbors, and just have a good time. According to the Happy Planet Index that measures sustainable well-being, Colombia ranks high among 44 countries and is usually one of the top three in happiness and well-being survey index. Times Magazine, BBC.com have also found through the years that Colombia ranks as the happiest country in the world. It's a country of people resistant to allowing the pandemic, economy, or personal matters keep them depressed, anxious, worried, angry, lingering resentment and confusion through the weeks, months, and years. We have a saying in Colombia, al mal tiempo, buena cara, meaning a good face to the bad times. What it means is it's all about the attitude. My parents found any excuse to plan a party and invite family, friends, even neighbors. The purpose was very simple, to share the good times, capture moments and pictures, treasure them in their hearts, and be able to reminisce in the future about the fun, jokes, laughter those moments brought. All they wanted was to socialize and share their happiness. My father's side of the family was huge. He was the youngest of 11, with one of them having 12 children. My dad only had one. With parties, it was a full house, not to mention the friends and neighbors that joined. One day at my house, we had a party and my parents decided to surprise everyone by dressing up in traditional folklore costumes that dance performers wore on stage. Everyone thought the idea was very creative, so it became a yearly tradition in the family. Why did they do this? They just wanted to give the word party a different twist. I learned to value creativity, applying fun to the element of surprise, the joy anticipation brings, waiting to see the happy faces of those who we wanted to surprise. 
During these moments, what is actually happening in our brains? Do you think we're aware? I don't think so. But I am sure. There were happy hormones released in the brains of all participants who were experiencing the same joy at the same time. Interestingly enough, these feelings do have long-term positive effects, according to research, that along with music create miracles in the cells of our bodies that impact our brain's health long-term. These are little things we tend to take for granted. I'm a strong believer in the power of creating momentum, of moving and generating positive energy. I grew up in a time where there were no computers or cell phones. I had to be very creative to entertain my class. I taught English as a second language in Colombia at age 20 at a private institute. My students were children on Saturdays, adults and adolescents combined during the week. I never sat down as an instructor. Aside from following the agenda, I added my own twist to the class too. I created games and ways to attract attention of my students. And aside from having fun while learning, we also created connections in the process. However, whenever I noticed my students with low energy, I surprised them. I stopped the class, played some music, and then they gave me this look, wondering what I was doing. I suddenly told them to get up and move to the music and just go with the flow of the music and move for four minutes. The results? It changed their state, their physiology. They started laughing. It was something that just occurred to me. It came naturally. In the same way, I had the energy to train for six hours. I wanted to generate the energy to them while they were learning. I knew at that age that having fun while learning didn't necessarily apply to children. Adults also needed to have fun while learning. And perhaps I was one of those young adults who felt the need to have fun while teaching. I guess, I guess what was actually happening was that I wanted to have fun while training. What better way to share fun than with my students? Whatever worked, I always say. Games and music created momentum, fun, and learning in the process. Backed by neuroscience research, lifelong learning includes dance, music, and the arts that promotes neuroplasticity as we age. This goes beyond being only or feeling young at heart. And speaking of the arts, I want to now tell you how I began falling in love with music and dance. When I was five years old in Colombia, for the very first time in my life, I saw on TV these men in squat positions moving super fast as they bent their knees. So my eyes open wide. You know how children get when their faces fill with wonder. Turns out 
It was an Eastern Slavic squat dance. The speed in which the dance was performed just simply captivated me. A dance from the other side of the world. As a kid, when something captivates us, it tends to do magic to our brains. That was the moment I remember very clearly as if it was yesterday. How it made me feel is what I remember the most. It was indeed a very positive experience. It influenced my taste in fast-paced dance music and how I perceive its value simply because it made me feel happy by simply watching it. I'm also going to share with you how I've used music to benefit my overall well-being and continue generating energy and storing it in my body. For many years, my exercise routine has been dance aerobics. I stand in front of the mirror, making sure I have enough room, play a beat salsa, merengue, samba, Egyptian, Arabic, African, you name it, as long as the music is upbeat and fast and includes the beat of the drums. I had to hear it. I had to hear the drum, the trumpet, percussion. It's like an addiction to sound, you know? I confess, I love the cowbell sound. Those of you salsa lovers listening right now, whether you're from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Colombia, you know the beat I'm talking about. In Colombia, the cowbell has a distinct sound that just hypnotizes me. I'm not the only one. I went to a live Brazilian show on Broadway years ago. And close to the end of the show, when I saw the musicians come down the aisles inviting anyone who wanted to stand up and feel the joy of the sounds of the instruments they were playing up close and personal, I was hoping and praying they would approach me. My heart was beating from joy. The music maker answered my prayer. I was wearing a corporate dress that day, lifted it just a little bit above the knee, enough to feel comfortable with what I knew I was about to do next. So I got up and I did it. I had that cowbell sound close to my ear and my legs and my knees were like blades on a blender turned on. I moved my legs super fast. I was totally mesmerized, hypnotized, in a trance I didn't want to get out of. I had just gotten a natural mood booster of dopamine. The joy of talking about the experience lasted for weeks, even years. I still get excited thinking about it and talking about it even now. I'm going to switch gears now and share how music helped me cope with emotional stress, heartache, and physical pain. The kind of pain that runs through our veins. I was in the middle of training prior to COVID in 2019. Facing the class I was in the middle of training. 
when I got a call that my father had just passed away. The class ended. The trainees came to console me. I just put my phone down. I couldn't speak. My body just dropped flat on the chair. I had hours to fly to Colombia. I had just gotten back a week prior after being with my parents for a month and a half on family leave. They taught me I had to face my challenges. This was one of them. Emotional challenges to me are very tough, as they are for all of us during different events in our lives. I had the responsibility, though, of my job, my personal life, and my parents. I was fully aware of. There was no time for tears. I had to catch a flight that same day. It takes seven hours to get to Cali from New York. I knew I wanted to see at least my father's body in the casket. I begged my family to wait for me. As expensive as the flight was, I didn't care. I made it to the funeral, the mass, and got close to seeing my father's body in the casket for the very last time. I was very close to my father. Three months passed after I stayed with my mother to take care of her during her grievance and loneliness. When I came back to work three months later, I knew I had to get back into the swing of things. Far from my mother, I knew that going back to work meant I had to change my mindset. For all of us, no matter what jobs we have, work requires energy. Mental and physical energy. It requires focus. I knew I had to take control of myself, of my mind, of my thoughts. The more I cried, the more I suffocated because I couldn't breathe, literally. I had to start training my mind to shift itself to help me focus on my responsibilities at work and because my life needed to go on. I knew I couldn't let my mother down. It would break her heart to even think that I was suffering emotionally at a distance and wasn't able to work due to my emotions. So I had an inspiration, I had an idea to allow me to go through each day at work and be able to focus and not allow anyone 
to see me suffering. So what I did was, I purposely used music as emotional therapy, if you will, as opposed to grieving the way I was taught. I did something totally different. The idea was to listen to dance music my father danced to and the songs he sang so happily around the house for years. It didn't make me cry. It actually made me feel closer to him. That's a little hard to explain. After work on the bus on my way home, I would only listen to the music he loved. It created this comfort in my soul. Although it was happy, fast-paced dance music, I had to do it. It was a way of surviving, of going through this grievance. So I used music, in other words, as part of the grievance process. I trained my brain to think in terms of allowing me to function daily with focus by way of music. Crying and suffering, I knew, wasn't going to bring him back. I did cry and I suffered in silence, away from work, during my personal time. I did not shed a tear, however, in the office, but stood with my face forward, proud, confident. Just like him. Just like him. The last month of his life. It was almost as if living his legacy of strength and character that he had. Our brains have the potential to get us through anything, anything we set our minds to. We'll be right back.